0: Amen. 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 Brother Jerry. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we do come before Thee again this morning praising Thy great name Amen. and thanking You for all Your mercies. Your Word tells us to, to enter Your gates with thanksgiving and Your course with praise. Amen. Right. And Lord, we just do that now. We thank You for the many, many blessings You've given us, and we just praise You for Your just for who you are, for no other reason. Right. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to come today to worship you. And it is an opportunity and a privilege and a blessing yes. that not everybody has and most don't even desire. But you have put it in our hearts to to want to come and worship you. That's right. And we are very thankful for that. Amen. Lord, we just thank of. The goodness and kindness that you show us, we thank that, Lord, as, as the examples that you've given us in your word, we think of Boaz and Naomi and Ruth and the examples that you've given us of the rewards and the blessings that come from obedience right. and from the, and the wisdom and the, to follow your word and to follow your commandments and the blessings that are in them, Lord. We're so thankful for that example. Lord, we ask that you would help each one of us to be obedient to your word. We have so much more than, than they had. This has been mentioned already, Lord. And we also know with with uh, to whom is given much, much is required. Help us to live our lives accordingly, Lord. Yes. Lord, we ask that you would be with uh, our brother Newell as he brings this message today. Lord, we know he has prepared his heart not only in this few days, but Lord, for most of his life as he prepared to seek you and to know you and to know your word. We just ask that you would bless his efforts, Lord, that you would give him your words, that he would be your mouthpiece, that he would speak your truth, Lord, and that you would give us ears to hear. And most importantly, Lord, you'd give us a heart that would walk out of here today loving you more, loving each other more and desiring to serve you better, that we would love you more today than we did yesterday and more tomorrow than we do today and so on, Lord. We ask also that you would remember our pastor as he's at home, yes. fighting whatever he's fighting, Lord. We ask that you give him strength. You have given us a great and caring shepherd, Lord. And we know that he's concerned for his sheep right now as he's not here. And we just ask that you would give him peace and comfort, Lord, to know that that, that he has taught us well and that he, we are in good hands. And most importantly, Lord, that we are in your hands. Amen we're very thankful for that above all things. Once again, be with our brother Newell he brings the message today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you,
1: Brother Jerry. You may be seated. As I mentioned in our opening passage, the Lord has given the Scriptures to us that through patience and comfort of them, we may have hope. I mentioned the fact that Brother Jonathan has been preaching through the book of Romans, going over what is very precise theology, knowledge of God. But that's just one way that God uses to teach us things. Brother Jonathan also recently has taught us about work, employment, how we should be diligent at it. He's laid out the principles in Scripture that talk about that. But there are other ways that we can learn about that same topic. And that's by looking at the example of someone who was diligent in their employment. And that's what we want to do this day. I hope this is a very simple, very simple study for everybody. I hope even the children who are old enough to be able to understand the words that were read, hopefully in your families last night from the book of Ruth, will be able to understand this. It's not—it's not very difficult. I hope I don't show you anything that you haven't seen before, but I hope that I can remind you of some things, and you can see in a way that maybe will reach deeper inside you and grab a hold of you how important these principles are, and more importantly, how good has already been mentioned today. How good the Lord is, how good He is in the way that He directs this universe. And especially in the way he takes care of his own. Wherever they come from. We'll see a foretaste of the gospel in here. As we see Ruth. Where was Ruth from? Moab. Anybody remember anything interesting? Or that the Lord mentioned about the, the tribe of Moab? If you go back in history... Who were they the descendants of? Lot, a righteous man. But a righteous man who was not diligent in his life. They were a thorn in the side of the nation of Israel throughout their history. Matter of fact, over in Deuteronomy chapter 23, where the Lord talks about different nations nearby who may have members of their nation want to join and become part of the nation of Israel. He mentions Moab. He talks about Egypt. He says, hey, you know, be kind to the Egyptians. You were in their country. They took care of you. Yeah, they oppressed you sometimes, but you don't want to turn around and be like they were like and oppress them. But an Egyptian who wants to become part of the nation of Israel, he can come in. Other nations he would say, well, In the third or the fourth generation, they can be considered a part of the nation. But Moab, because they were the ones who tried to hire Balaam to curse Israel. He couldn't curse them because God was for them. So he still had to find out a way to earn his money. And the way he did was to tell them, take your beautiful young daughters, send them in the midst of the camp. Let them attract some of the young men and bring them over to the worship of their gods. That's how God will curse them when they start worshiping somebody else. And for a worldly man, that was wise counsel because that's exactly what happened. So because of that, the Lord said that a Moabite, meaning a man and his family, could never be part of the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 23 Even in the midst of Moab, though, God had his people. He had a daughter called Ruth. Turn to the book of Ruth. I hope you read at least one of the chapters of it last night. It would be great if you read it all. Relatively short. I don't know that we'll read every single verse in here, but let's just go through and see some things. Let's just get some reinforcement of things the Lord has shown us recently. We see in the first verse that this was in the days of the judges. If you go at the very end of the book and you see the genealogy listed, you can come fairly close to showing exactly where it is. Because it gives you the genealogy of Boaz. And who was his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather. So we see that early on. So that's something that uh, helps us understand that this is the very beginning of the book of Judges. This is before God had appointed a king to rule. If something came up, they had a need to go against an enemy, God would appoint a judge. Someone who would come up, gather the people, lead them into battle. When they weren't in battle, he would make decisions for them. He would help to uh, arbitrate any disputes. This is the time frame in which the book of Ruth occurs. And here we have the story of Ruth. Starts off, though, with a man named Elimelech. His wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Chilion. Verse 2 of chapter 1. There was a famine in the land, it tells us in verse 1, in Israel. So they go down to Moab because conditions were more prosperous there. While down there... Elimelech dies. So Naomi is a widow, being taken care of by her sons. While there, they find wives, one for each of them that they marry. Then they die. So here's Naomi, who's left the nation of Israel with her husband and two sons. Now she's in a foreign land with two daughter-in-laws. She finally hears that prosperity's returned to Israel, so she's gonna go back there to her people, to her nation, to live with them. And she, on her way back, she understands she's from Israel. She knows the daughters probably aren't gonna be well accepted back at home. Now we see that they were good daughters. Look at verse seven. Excuse me, verse 8. Name who said unto her, her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Earlier we see that they were in the land of Moab for about ten years. How long were they actually married to her sons? We don't know exactly. But it must have been some period of time. Long enough that they could show that they were good wives. For her sons. So, and they had done good to her. They had done their duty to take care of their mother-in-law. After both her husband and then their husbands passed away. So she commends them both for this and says, go on back home. And initially they don't. They say, no, we want to stay with you. But she says, look, let's be real. If I were to have a husband tomorrow... And bear a child, bear sons. Would you want to stay around until they're old enough so that they could be your husbands? I don't think so. An interesting point here. The importance of marriage for a woman. This was an important thing in Naomi's eyes. They were still young enough that they could be married to someone else. They hadn't had children yet in their marriages with, with her sons. So Naomi was trying to seek a benefit for them. But knowing they'd have a hard time back in Israel, she said, look, go on back home to your households. Find a good a good man in your country to marry and have a good life. Well, Orpah, one of the, the other daughter-in-law, she hugs Mama Naomi and go, takes her advice and goes back home. But Ruth, it tells us in verse 14, clave unto her. She held fast to her. She had great devotion towards Naomi and Naomi's people and Naomi's God. Look what it says here. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And where thou and there will I be buried. And notice, she used an oath, a proper oath. To confirm this, the Lord, that's Jehovah, do so to me and more also, if aught but death, part thee and me. Even in the midst of the grief that Naomi must have had, there was this shining ray of light. She had a daughter-in-law. A daughter-in-law from the land of Moab that was devoted to her. She was devoted to her people and she was devoted to her God. When Naomi saw that, that she was steadfast in her heart, to minded to go with her, then she left speaking to her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, this is verse 19, when they come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? Such a change in her life. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For God hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Lord hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. You know, what's the old saying that sometimes it's darkest before the storm's over, and before the dawn? That was the situation for Naomi. Except for this one point of her daughter, daughter daughter-in-law being with her, everything else looked dark to her. Keep that in mind as we go through this, brethren. There's many times in our lives we can have challenges. When we can have problems, we can have difficulties, we can have things that just tear our soul. The good days are yet to come if you're following the Lord and you're trusting in Him. Next chapter, chapter 2. The Lord sets things up. And I hope as you go through this, I read this, brethren, like a love story. Because that's what it is. It's a love story That was written in heaven. A love story between a man and a woman. A love story between a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. A love story of the Lord for his people. All of those are going to be involved in this. But as we go through, as I said in the introduction, think about some of the principles we've learned recently and see how they come out in this story. Naomi, Ruth, they're back in Israel. Just as the barley harvest. That's the first of the harvest of the year is coming up. And Naomi had a kinsman, verse 1 of chapter 2, of her husbands. A mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. What kind of man was he? A mighty man of wealth. Here we have a diligent man. Here we have a man who was diligent about his affairs, took well care of his fields, his servants, and the Lord blessed him in that process. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Stop there for a second. What was God's means of welfare? Welfare? God had a welfare system. We just hear it described. Gleaning. Now, it wasn't that the government just collected money from everybody else and gave out to people. No, you had to do something. I mean, you had to go into the fields. As the fields were being harvested, God had instructed His people that I'm going to bless you bountifully if you're obeying Me. So when you go through and do your initial pass, you know... You can do a good job, but if you miss something, leave it behind. Don't you go back and redo it. You leave it behind, and this is how the poor of your land will be taken care of. Tell me, anybody ever done or considered agricultural work? Picking beans, picking strawberries, tomatoes, digging potatoes, anything like that? Is that easy work? Huh, that's hard work. That's manual labor of the most manual nature. It's labor that's good. You know, work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. And to go out and work, obtain things, that's, I mean, psychologically, it's a wonderful way of doing things. Because you earn what you've got. You learn to take care of it that way. If all of a sudden you lose it, you're, nobody's going to replace it. You've got to take care of it yourself. All sorts of wonderful lessons. Naturally, the Lord teaches us when we, through labor. And in this case, that was part of the lesson. This is how the poor were taken care of. They would go in the fields and they would get the harvest that was left over, that was behind. They could thresh it out. They could sell it, they could eat it, whatever they wanted to do with it. And that's how they lived, was off of this. So, here we have this Moabitess who's going out to the fields to glean. She's from a different country. She obviously dressed differently, spoke differently. She would stand out like a sore thumb. But what was her attitude? Was she concerned about it? Did she know she was going to be disadvantaged when she started out? Oh, yes. As bad as you could want. So how did she overcome that disadvantage? Did she make sure to contact the Moabite Assistance Fund while she was there in Israel? Did she go before the city council of Bethlehem here? And make sure they passed a non discrimination ordinance against Moabites? No. She went to prove that she was a good citizen of the nation of Israel. She went to glean. She went to work. You know, brethren, God takes care of those who work, who labor. He took care of, Boa, of Ruth, as we'll see. And she, she said unto her, that Naomi, said unto uh, Ruth, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Don't you love God's irony in his word here? Her hap, she just happened Is how we would say it today. She just happened to go into Boaz's field. (laughs) Is there anything called just happened in the word of God? You know, when we talk about statistics and probability, are there any statistics or probability in God's word? Well, they are. It's either it is going to happen or it ain't going to happen. Either God allows it or deems it to happen or he doesn't. This was exactly where the Lord wanted her to go. This is exactly where the blessing for her was going to be maximum. She had already made a choice. Naomi, your people and your God. That's my people and that's my God. The Lord saw that. So that when it came, you know, as she's walking down the walking down the pathway and there's a field on the left and the right. I think I'll go to this one on the left over here. That was Boaz's field. That's where she went to. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. You know, if you've got a godly society, you don't have labor relations problems. I mean, Boaz wanted God's blessing on his workers. He obviously treated them well because they returned the blessing back on him. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers. He's got a a man in charge of the reapers. And he says, whose damsel is that? Notice, this is a part of being a diligent man. You know all the details. I mean, this is just one little worker out there in the field. If he's a mighty man of wealth, he's got a lot of property. He's got a lot of reapers out there harvesting. How come he notices that one Moabite out in the back portion, right? She couldn't be in the front portion. She was in the gleaning portion. The portion that had already been taken care of by his servants. Where the leftovers were. That's where she was. But you see, a diligent man, he looks at the details. He takes care of everything. Because it's his. That's where his profit comes from. That's where his blessing is going to come from. By watching and caring for every aspect of it. So he notices her. And the servant that was over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Look at the discretion that she has. As a poor person in the nation of Israel, did she have the right to glean in the field? Yeah, she did. It was a right. But you don't see her just marching in there bold as brass saying, I'm here to do my portion. No. Can I have permission to reap in your pasture, in your fields? Look at the discretion she had. Look at the wisdom she had. She knew they would know she was a Moabitess as soon as they saw her. She didn't want to have any trouble. So she prepared the way properly. You know, a submissive, willing attitude will get you a long way in this world, brethren. You want to demand your rights? People will give you your rights and let you go out in the street. But you come... With an attitude like this. And doors will open for you. And that caught, obviously, the overseer's attention. He let her do it. He let her go right in there. And it caught Boaz's attention. Notice what he says. Then said Boaz unto Ruth. He goes and talks to her now. Hearst thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink that which the young men have drawn. Look at the blessing already coming in her life. She's got a reputation already. Why would a Moabitess come back, come into Israel in the first place? Oh, she's a daughter-in-law of Naomi. Word had already gotten around about this strange young woman and the devotion she had towards her mother-in-law and the fact that she wanted to come to Israel. And she wanted to take care of her mother. And now she's asking permission to work. And when did she start? I almost overlooked that part. She started at the crack of dawn. She was there early in the morning. Hard working and diligent. And humble. Catches Boaz's attention. And he says, hey, don't you go anywhere else. You stay right here in my pastures. You be with my maidens. I've told the young men not to harm you. And when it comes time, was this a requirement under the law? The provision be made for reapers. Oh, a good master will do that for his servants, right? But she wasn't one of his servants. She was one of the poor of the land gleaning the fields. This is a benefit already being given to her. Then she fell on her face, verse 10, and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, look at the wisdom here. Please, people. Do you see the discretion of this woman? She's being blessed And she verbally and physically acknowledges it. You know, we talk about being thankful and having thanksgiving. There's a difference, right? I can be thankful in my heart and look like a stone on the outside. I can let that thankfulness in my heart come out in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord or to someone else for the goodness they've done towards me. We know the Lord wants to hear it, right? Why do we know that? We like to hear it, right? Brother Jonathan's mentioned it often. What happens, fathers, mothers, when your children come to you and they're thankful for the good things you've done for them? Does that make you want to step back and say, well, how can I cut the budget further and do less things for them? No, it has the opposite effect. You say, where can I get some more money? I can buy something more for them. Where can I do something more for them? You want to, I mean, it's a positive feedback you're getting. You want to increase it. You want to do more to make sure it keeps coming. The the Lord's the same way. It's the same way it is with the Lord. So here's the wisdom of her. Falls on her face and says, Why have I found grace in thy eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? See, she takes her status as a stranger as a deficit, not something that somebody needs to make up for. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy, thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whom whose wings thou art come to trust. And that's so full, brethren, I just can barely cover. Boaz saw. He saw her actions. He saw what she'd done and he knew why and he heard the the reasons why she was doing it. He wanted to bless her because of that. Boaz was a good man. This is the nature of a good man. A good man wants to promote and help the other good people. Those who love the Lord, he wants to move them forward. Help them out. And it's in his field that she came to reap. We jumped ahead to chapter 4. We we would have found out that you know someone else has had, would had an option on her property and marrying her to raise up children in the name of her dead husband because that was what the Lord had said in the tribes in the nation of Israel. If someone dies and he doesn't have seed by his wife, then the near of kin is supposed to take her in, and the first child that is born by that woman from that man is counted for that. Other man's family. To keep the families, the tribes alive in the nation of Israel. He turned it down. She could have gone someplace else with the first words out of her mouth. Can I hit the road? I don't want you here. The Lord's providence in her life, guiding every step. And here, a good man seeing these things and not just acknowledging them, telling her about them and him trying to add blessing on top of her because of that. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me. And for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto thine handmaidens. Again, she gives verbally back. She tells him what is in her heart. And brethren, here's a little secret. How often do you do that with your friends? And with others who do you a good favor? Do you just accept it and go on and give thanks to the Lord? Or do you thank them? Do you let them know that that is good? That that's helpful for you? Has somebody done something good for you and you've not done that? Ruth. There's one person. One woman who specifically is listed in Scripture as a virtuous woman. Doesn't mean that there aren't many in Scripture. There are. But Ruth is the only one who's listed. Ladies. Girls. Girls. As a virtuous woman. And look what she does. She is verbally giving back thanks. She's verbally making sure. That if somebody has blessed her. And done something good for her. That they know about it. That they know it's lifted up her heart. That it's encouraged her. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 14. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime. Come thou hither. And eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. Now he's sharing not just water, he's sharing a complete meal with her. Again, this is somebody on food stamps. That he's saying, come on in with my employees and the lunch i prepare for them. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn and she did eat. And was sufficed and left. He's making sure he personally takes care of her needs. Do you see a relationship building here now, brethren? Huh? Do you see something going on here? What was the one thing that he didn't have? With all his reputation, with all of his wealth that he had in the community, he didn't have rest and peace in the most precious relationship that a human being can have. And he wasn't looking for just anybody. I'm sure he had all sorts of people he could find. But this Moabitess, her diligence, her devotion to the Lord and his people, her is exemplified by her care of her mother-in-law. Everything about her just had the aroma of virtuous woman. So he commands his young men, verse 15, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. If she gets so close to the edge where the regular harvest is, let her in. Don't rebuke her. And you can imagine they had to take care of that. If this is a large property with a lot of area to be reaped, they probably had a whole crew that did nothing but go out there and make sure that the gleaners weren't getting the good stuff first. But in this case, he said, if you see Ruth out there, if she's in those areas, let her alone. Don't worry about it. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. You know, if you're in a section and you see her in that vicinity, just kind of let one of the bags rip open a little bit. Spill some out in that, that area where you're going to see that she's the next one coming. Make sure she gets some of that. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. She had a good portion she'd gotten that day. And again, look at her diligence. She didn't just harvest it and go home. I've had a hard day. I'll take this stuff home with me. No, she got it prepared. So whether it was to be eaten or sold, she had it ready right there. She made sure that she got the job thoroughly done. There were no half steps in what she did. She got there early. She stayed late. And she made sure that what she did was properly ready for use. And she took it and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. She went right home to Naomi. She didn't go anywhere else. I mean, she had new wealth in her hand. She could have gone and done something else with it. but All she was thinking of Hey, I've got to go back to Naomi and take care of her. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had had reserved after she was sufficed. You read the passages. She's sitting there eating. She's been granted the privilege of eating with. The regular employees and Boaz has actually given her a little extra, right? What has she done with it? She's eaten what would suffice her, and then she's kind of wrapped up a little doggy bag. Right? She's taken some of it set it aside. As soon as she gets home, she takes that out for Naomi. Think of the tenderness, the care that she had for Naomi. And her mother in law said, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. She understood. Daughter, you're a Moabite. The fact that you were able to find a field and let you glean in was good, but you came back with all of this. Oh, some somebody's really gone out of their way to bless you. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, "The man's name whom I wrought today is Boaz." Can you see this like like it was a Hollywood movie, brethren? Can you see this? I mean, at that point, the camera would zoom right in on Naomi's face and it just, you know, she she has to catch her breath. You know, that's that's our near kinsman. I mean, it's going through her mind before she even says it. This is this is a close relative. This is a man who can take us in, protect us, care for us. His field is the one you went to and he's. Attracted to you. He's showing you favor. You know it's kind of like. How, how can it get better than this? And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law. Blessed be he of the Lord. Who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Obviously he had been a help to their family in the past. And here's continuing to bless them. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said also, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, and that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law what else do we see here brethren do you see the, the discretion and the wisdom of both parties naomi putting together all the pieces near kinsman he can take care of us he's attracted to you he's showing you favor take advantage of that don't neglect it don't Insult him going someplace else. You stay right there with his fam- with his maidens. Ruth! Oh, but mama, I-I-I think I've got better prospects elsewhere. Little idiot. That's not what she said, but that's what most young girls would say today, right? What do you know? You're old! No. She knew with age, comes wisdom. She showed respect for Boaz, who we find out later was obviously an older man. Not one of the younger men. But she showed him great respect. She shows her mother-in-law the respect that she's due. Throughout this whole episode and everything we read, she follows precisely what Naomi tells her to do. That's discretion. Discretion. That's wisdom, young people. You don't know squat. As Brother Jonathan likes to put it, your parents have forgotten more than you know, depending on what your age is. If you want to be wise, you listen to them. You check out your bright and glorious ideas with them. And if you see the slightest bit of, I don't know about that, You double, triple, quadruple think what you're going to do. And the wise course is to go back and say, Well, Dad, Mom, Uncle, Aunt, what what should I do? What's wrong with my plan? And get their feedback. In this case, Ruth just followed whatever Naomi said. She reported to her what happened. Naomi gave her a judgment. Ruth's idea was... Sounds good to me. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? See? Rest. There is rest in marriage. Oh, but the Bible talks about a woman being a, a worker. Well, so is a man. What's the difference? You're just working in a different set of tasks than he does. Let me tell you something, ladies, girls in particular. You don't have the burden of making the decisions. You don't have the responsibility of knowing that if something goes wrong, you're the one that's held accountable. Your husband, your father, they have that responsibility. In the sight of God and any good man. They live with that burden 24 by 7. But having you around is a great rest for him. And if you've got a good husband, a good brother in the Lord, he'll be a rest for you as well. Verse 2, And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Look at the wisdom and the discretion in this entire event. Practical, worldly, let's call it, I don't mind, wisdom. Get dressed up. Clean yourself up. Look good. He's going to be working to, you know, they they winnow the barley. They get it separated out so it's in good shape. And they have a small party, in essence, is what's going on here. So, be looking good, but don't go until he's already taking care of all the business, and it's about time where everybody's going to be going, you know, laying down and resting. Then go to him. Go at his feet, and then, and all of this was part of the culture of their day, I wouldn't suggest you necessarily follow all of this exactly today. But look at the principles involved. Okay? She was a near kinsman. She was coming officially to make that known. That she was, if he, to see if he was interested in doing the role of the near kinsman. Which would have meant, as we see later, buying property from her. Taking that as part of his property. And taking responsibility for her. Upon himself. In particular, in the case of marriage. That's what she was going to do. And again, Naomi knows the customs. Naomi knows what's going on. Naomi knows Boaz. He was a close relative. She knew him before and after they came back. So she's giving her the best advice she's got. And Ruth, whatever you say, I'll do it. So they go. She goes to the threshing floor. Did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Verse six. And Boaz. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he had a good harvest. He had celebrated it with his workers. He was feeling good. And his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. Those were his. That was his wealth. <laughs> he was just going to go lay down next to it, thankful for it. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. Obviously, he'd been busy that day because he laid down, went to sleep. She comes in and covers herself underneath, next to him. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she said, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Look at the subservience, the submission to him. Spread, therefore, thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Cover me, protect me, more than just with his garment, is what she was asking for. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Here's where we can see he was an older man. But she wanted his favor. His protection. She didn't go chasing after somebody because he was, you know, what's Brother Jonathan like to talk about? Tommy Motorcycle? The cool dude? Look so cool. Right? Doesn't have a brain in his head yet. No. She wanted to go with somebody who was wise. Someone who was diligent. Had proven his diligence. And it's shown his godliness. His mercy and his kindness. He showed all those things towards her. And now my daughter, fear not. Verse 11. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Here it is. There's the declaration. She's a virtuous woman. Everyone knew it. Everybody had seen her day in and day out. Go to that hot, dirty field. Glean after all the other reapers, prepare it, take it back home to Naomi, sell it so they could have whatever else they needed for their sustenance, for their life, for their life there. They had seen that day in and day out. They knew she's taking care of Naomi, one of us, one of our people. She's taking care of them. She trusts in the Lord. That's the kind of woman that a Boaz wants. Someone who's diligent. Someone who's hardworking. Someone who knows who does proper submission. Someone who has the right affections towards family and towards those who have been good to them. And he tells her that he is true. He is a near kinsman. There is one that's a little closer in the line. He's got the first refusal under God's law. He's the first one that has to be dealt with. But in essence, he says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the issue. And he says, you lay back down. We don't want a scandal. So you just you lay down tonight. But when it gets early in the morning, before anybody knows, before everybody can see who's who, You can go on back home. And when you do here, I mean, he's right there next to the stacks, right? Take this back to Naomi, to your mother-in-law. He gives her six measures of barley. She goes back in the morning, early. She goes back to Naomi. Naomi, of course, waiting on pins and needles. What happened? What went on? She explains what? Shows him the six measures of barley. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. When you see a man that's diligent, you know when he gets his hands on something, it's going to be taken care of. If he says, I'm going to take care of it today, his word is his bond. He's going to have it taken care of that day. Chapter four. The first ten verses of the chapter tell us what he did. He went into the gate of the city. He pulled some of the city elders in. Brought them together to witness the event. He Wanted to make sure everything was done legal and above board. Then when the man that was the closest to Naomi and her family came by. He said, come on over here. We've got some business to talk about. So the man comes in. He says, you know, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, our brother, passed away in the land of Moab. She's come back. And she's got some property she needs to take care of. She needs to dispose of. She's a widow. She needs funds to take care of her. She's selling some of her property. You're the nearest kinsman. It's up for sale. Do you want to buy it? Oh, yes. I can always use more property. I'll take it. And, of course, you'll also have to buy what uh, comes of the hand of the widow of one of her sons, Ruth the Moabites. You'll have to take his property as well. And obviously, you'll have to do your duty to raise up seed for him. Um, well, you know, I I don't want any domestic disputes at the house. And, and, and it just wouldn't be a good time right now. So I don't think that I can take up that offer. Okay. Is everyone in a witness to this? I'm the next kinsman. I have no problem of paying Naomi the price for the field. I have no problem taking Ruth. As my wife, and raising up seed unto Naomi's son. Legal, above board, everybody knew what was happening. And all the people in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses, verse eleven. The Lord make the woman that is come in unto the to thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build up the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephratah. And be famous in Bethlehem. Everybody knew her reputation. Everybody knew Ruth's reputation. The guy that had first refusal, he lost. He lost. Everybody knew Boaz was the winner in that transaction. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception. Did you ever think about the fact she never had conception from a younger man? There were no children from her first marriage. Sometimes, brethren, when we don't have what we think we should have at the right time, we think it's the right time, is because the Lord's got something better for us later on. And she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Think back, end of chapter 1. Oh, call me Mara, call me bitter, because the Lord has dealt me a bad hand. Now the women come back out and say, Naomi, blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. You know, you had a place in Israel, you're famous now. Because you're part of Boaz's family. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Naomi got to be the nurse. Got to take care of her blessed grandson. That blessed grandson's name was Obed. Obed. In the course of time, he bore a son called Jesse, who in the course of time, the eighth son of that, of that man was David. Now, interesting little fact here. Who was it that Boaz was a son of? Salmon was his father's name. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, you'll find out another reason Another providence of the Lord as to why Boaz had no problem marrying a Moabitess. Because that didn't that enter your mind somewhere along the line? Why would he even consider a Moabitess? Why would that even enter his mind if he was such a good and a righteous man? Who was his mother? Rahab, the harlot from Jericho. A woman who had a hard early life, but who trusted in the Lord and whose latter end was to be blessed in the nation of Israel. Because she's in that lineage that brought us down to David. So that personally, Boaz, he had no problems. He knew what his mama was like. I'm sure she told him about what her early life was like and about how blessed she was. To be in the nation of Israel. How blessed she was to have Jehovah as her God. And how blessed she was to have a good man like his his father, Salmon, to be her husband. So when he saw the same kind of godly character in Ruth, it was not a problem for him. Now these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. And Ram begot Aminadab, And Aminadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David. So we have two Gentiles. Two people from despised area. What did they do with Jericho? <laughs> they slaughtered every man, woman, and child. And raised that city and said it would be a curse for the man who ever built it back. That's what they thought about Jericho. Yet Rahab came out of there. Moab, not a Moabite, couldn't enter into the kingdom of Israel as a citizen, as a male, to any generation. And yet, a Moabite's maiden is in the descent of King David. And of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. There's no place you can go so low that the Lord, if you're His, doesn't see you. If you're diligent, if you're following what you are taught in the Word, if you're diligent, you work hard, you're thankful, you voice that thanksgiving to others, and you're always trusting in the Lord. He'll always take care of you, brethren. Diligence has its reward. The importance of discretion, of getting wise counsel from others, and following it. Every step of her life, Ruth followed the advice of her mother-in-law. And then the fact that God, God's providence is not some theological concept. God's providence is his personal care for his people. God personally matching up a Boaz and a Ruth. A Ruth to a Naomi. To care for her. Brethren, that's the God that we serve. I pray that this will be to our edification that we can then take that this will help make alive some of those principles that we've studied recently. That we can be Boazes, guys. That we can be just as diligent, just as hardworking, just as merciful, just as magnanimous to others when we see those characteristics of godliness in someone else. Ladies, that you can be a Ruth. That you can be that virtuous woman. And that the Lord God will be pleased with all of us. That's my prayer. Please stand with me. Our most gracious and kind Father, we thank you, Lord, for the book of Ruth. We thank you, Lord, for this example of how you take care of your people. Father, help us that we might learn this lesson well. Help us, Lord, that we might be the Ruths and the Boazes in this generation. And Father, help us that we might give praise, glory, and honor back to you through our lives, through our voices, through everything that we do. Father, raise up our brother. Heal him of his illness. Bring... Our other brethren, Lord, that are traveling and away from us, back to us safely, and Lord, grant that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and magnified in the earth through our lives. For it's in His blessed name we ask these things. Amen. Will we be back here about 11:30 uh, to get started for our second service?